0: I'm Anya, and I spent decades compartmentalizing and suppressing the different parts of myself. I woke up at age 40 exhausted, confused, and completely out of alignment. These days, I am definitely not your run-of-the-mill bored housewife. So if you are tired of the shame narrative around sex and pleasure, and you're ready to be all facets of yourself, let's create sexual alchemy. This. Is a soul fire production. Hello, lovers. Welcome back. Of course, I'm not recording this episode on the day that it's coming out, but I do want to recognize that I love playing around with numbers. And this particular episode is coming to you guys on 2 2, 2022. So there's some magic there. I'm not really sure entirely what it is, but I think it has something to do with the guests that we're having on today. Um, Today, we're going to be talking with a woman who I'm just getting to know, and I can already tell we're going to be great friends. Her name is Jessica Esfandieri. And Jessica has her own podcast called Open Late, and we'll let her tell us a little bit more about that. But beyond that, Jessica has been in the space of curating brave spaces for people to own their power and awaken into their most expansive selves. So for the most recent years she's been a coach and a retreat facilitator and she as she was doing this work she started to realize that people's relationships needed healing more than anything else and that is what led her to opening up her podcast called as we just said Open Late which looks at relationships through her own lens of consensual non-monogamy. Jessica wants to inspire people to create designer relationships that are filled with truth, vulnerability, intimacy and play which I absolutely love So all of that said thank you Jess for joining us today Thank you for being here on sexual alchemy and
1: say hello. Thank you so much uh, it's good to be here and I'm just smiling from ear to ear realizing that you call your audience loves as well and I—it's like <laughs> I bubbling do. over yeah I love that affirmation for people that they are love.
0: Yeah, they are love. That's exactly what we are. I was actually communicating with a friend today who's going through a very, very difficult time. And I realized that when I reached out to her and I said, hi, love, I wasn't calling. It wasn't a pet name. That's who she is, right? Like she mm-hmm. is love. She's love embodied. She's that for me. I hope I'm that for her. But I had that same realization today that it's a little different than just a pet name. Yeah. So I love that. Well, welcome Jess. I'm super happy to have you here today. And as we have been talking a little bit about how we'd like to talk to one another on each other's shows, we were thinking a little bit about for you. Obviously, you have your own show, you talk about your journey, but for my listeners, I think somebody like you is going to be every listen. Every every guest is a treat, but I think you're going to be a treat because you come into your conversations around sexuality from a little bit different of a place and a different orientation within yourself. Mm. And I'd love to kind of go back and get a little bit of your own origin story of your, your sexuality, your journey through your sexuality and kind of of embracing that before we kind of step into this world that you are currently in, in terms of consensual non-monogamy and all of that. So if you don't mind being a little vulnerable with us and walk us back through the early years of Jessica as she kind of traversed all of that, I would really love to share that with my listeners.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much, Anya. It's a joy to share this story. And I got chills when you were saying be a bit vulnerable because it really is, it's tough to open up about childhood stuff, I think, for almost anyone when it comes to sex. Because we live in a society that is, um, that creates such a taboo out of something that is so natural and normal and human and playful. And so I don't, I actually don't know that I've shared this on my podcast yet. And one of my very first memories of being sexual was when I was extremely young, like very young. And my mom would joke later in life that she would have to put me in my bedroom because when I was a baby, I would hump things (laughs) in the middle of the living room. And she was like, it was, you know, one thing, but as you got to be like, four and vibe, it wasn't cute anymore. Sure. And I actually, yeah, I don't think I've shared this on my show, but I was masturbating from a very young age, like very young. I can remember being about six years old mm-hmm. and knowing that things felt good mm-hmm. when I touched myself. And then I, Was always around um, girls of the same age. I grew up with a lot of cousins and um, friends up the the street that I lived on. It was very very much a community vibe, and we were exploring from when we were like six and seven and eight, and not realizing that there was something wrong with it until we got caught, Mm -hmm. you know. And parents are sort of like freaking out because they don't have tools to know what to do with kids. you know or at least ours didn't and it became very much a like oh my gosh that was bad wrong and you know we shouldn't do that anymore and i can remember being in in middle school and kind of sneaking around and like looking at playboys or you know turning on the channel that you shouldn't turn on back when i was growing up there was uh we had this like cable box that had like all of the like you know, crazy channels like HBO and Skinamax. And I would like (laughs) rush home from school and like put it on before my parents would like come home. So, and this was when I was like 11 years old. Mind you, I went to Catholic school, a private Catholic school in Philadelphia. And, you know, we didn't learn anything about sex. And that was until eighth grade. And then I went to public school and there was zero sex education in the public school that I went to as well which was in a very conservative part of Pennsylvania kind of in the country and so the the only person who really talked to me about it was my mom and my mom was very much a you should wait you should wait you should wait you should wait and that was like the only messaging that came around it and my mom talked to me about a lot of things she did a great job in in many ways and she was pretty open, um, but I didn't want to talk to her about it. So there was that. And I had a boyfriend all through high school, like, you know, first love of my life. We were together for the whole time. And I think we waited about three and a half years before we actually had sex. It was my senior year of high school because it was like such a big deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were doing everything else, like, the whole time, so it's, like, what were we right. waiting for? Because we all did. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then I ended up breaking up with him and sort of being a serial monogamist for a while. I had, um, you know, that was a very safe relationship for me and beautiful, and we're still friends. And I remember the very first person that I sort of had a mini flame with right after my first boyfriend. Um Because I was accustomed to being able to make out and kind of like do all this fun like sexual activity without penetration, that's what I expected from this second person. I think I was 19 at the time and um, because it was my first summer home from college and it went there and we were like alone at his house and I was like, oh, we should probably stop, you know, before this like goes too far. Hmm. And he said some comment like, oh, we've passed that point. And then just proceeded to have sex with me. And wow. I didn't realize until probably two years ago that what that actually was, that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and not to like go down the rabbit hole of that story. But for such oh, a long time, I was like, oh, well, it was like peer pressure. But I ended up like enjoying it because I did truthfully i yeah. wanted to have sex with this person but yeah. in my mind i was like oh but we can wait and we can do all of these things because that's what i had done in my previous relationship right and so i definitely wasn't ready so i had conflicting feelings about that and then yeah serial monogamy until i met my now husband and i guess i'm sharing like that journey just to show you know i think there's so many people in society who grow up with a lot of sexual shame around experiences as a child or a teenager, and then there's just no information. Like we don't have a great education system around sex. We only teach what can go wrong, right? It's like sending someone to culinary school and the only thing you learn is how not to give people like E. coli poisoning. (laughs) Right. just like (laughs) bananas. Um, And so the fact that now I'm, you know, about to be 37 – I've been married for seven years and we've been relatively open or at least monogamish for the entire time, is such a wild departure from my life and and how I got here. And if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be living this life and I would be this woman, Mm -hmm. I would have laughed like in your face and told you you were crazy. So Yeah.
0: I love that. Well, thank you because you really were quite vulnerable. And I am really appreciative of that because I see so much of myself in in the experiences that you talked about too. It's our human condition, right? To Mm -hmm. want to relate and to want to find points of commonality. But honestly, very, very similar feelings about my my actually my first sexual experience and and Mm -hmm. things like that and and i think that you're right it's like when we realize oh there wasn't consent there and Mm -hmm. that was not that was a power dynamic and whether we want to label things as you know rape or not or how we want to feel about it it's almost not the point the point is you realize how in that moment You weren't able to be in your power and you weren't able to be, you know, kind of really strong for yourself because we're not taught how to do that. We're taught not to get in those situations, but we're not taught how to use our voice and to have a strong no, and to have, mm-hmm. you know, that orientation within ourself that's really strong. And so I just felt all of that so much again when you were sharing. So thank you for getting so vulnerable with that. Yeah.
1: Thank you for reflecting that. It's so true. I never thought about it for that being an actionable tool to teach, you know, women is like how to practice your no and mm-hmm. to assess and Really stand in your autonomy, and also that we should be teaching boys <laughs> how to read <laughs> and how to, right. you know, be present with, you know, their partners. May they be women, may they be men, um, and to really check in and and get consent from from all angles, right? Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, what happens is we we live in a society where all the responsibility does fall on women it when is. it comes to sex. Yeah,
0: That reminds me of two things. So I have, my son is 12, and he is going through these conversations at school. They're learning about consent and all of these types of things. And they came home one day and were telling me about the conversations that they're having at school. And I remembered somebody sharing with me a YouTube video about teaching youth about consent. And there's this, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but there's this Mm -hmm. video out there about making tea and tea being this kind of euphemism for for consent and like somebody might say that they want tea and then they change their mind. And you need to respect the fact that they no longer want tea. (laughs) And so I (laughs) made my my son listen to all of this and they were like, got it, mom. I'm good here. But then I think about my own adult self and how that was never taught to me. And I've talked about this on the show, but I went to my first ISTA training experience, the International School of Temple Arts. And on day one and two, a huge amount of our time was spent around consent and around having conversations with people that would help us exercise our consent muscles Mm. and how we were being encouraged to explore our edges in making requests of people in terms of connecting with them for conversation or if there was any touch invited or anything nothing crazy, but it was really about getting in the uncomfortability of knowing what your body wants in a situation and what is a yes and what is a no, and being able to state it clearly. And then when somebody states it clearly, especially if they say no, responding in a way on the other side of that transaction is saying, thank you for taking care of yourself. And I'm thinking wow, there is a whole new way we can relate to each other in this world if we don't consider somebody's no to be a rejection rather than them taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's been such a beautiful concept for me that I've carried away and will continue to carry away the last few months around yes and no and consent and really knowing what feels right in my own body.
1: So. Wow. Wow. I love that so much. And I've really been enjoying what you've shared about Ista and it's actually made me want to go. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that.
0: Come on into the fold. Yes.
1: Yes. I (laughs) I really do think that it's that it's in the future for me and potentially my husband too. Could be really fun to do something like that together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So speaking of your husband, obviously you mentioned you guys have been, I think you said married seven years Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and in this monogamish or open container the whole time. So talk to me a little bit about how that unfolded. People are always so curious. How do you, how do you get there? How do you
1: start that conversation? So how did, how did you guys? So it's, it's kind of a fun, funny story. Um, We had an accidental threesome which is what I always call it because it was truly not really planned it wasn't talked about before although I don't have the best memory and and Pasha my husband was just saying well we had sort of talked about you know your attraction to women and fantasies a little bit when we started you know our relationship and I was like I think that came after um so there's a little debate there but truly on new year's eve one night we went home with one of my friends. Um, she was, you know, a beautiful girl. Her and I had a lot of attraction to one another. There was sexual chemistry, um, you know, anytime that we would be around each other. But I didn't have the confidence to ever act on that, especially alone. It's not something I would have done in my in my previous sort of life and, and sexual life. I was very you know, serial monogamous, as I said, and had only been with men, even though I was attracted to women most of my life. And I had kind of like made out with girls in college before, but I'm not joking. I have I walked out of potential experiences with women and I walked out of a threesome that was unfolding once that was in my own bed <laughs> back in <laughs> That's Philadelphia awesome. with um two great friends of mine that were very safe and loving and Still friends with them both to this day. Um, but I was just like, I had such a wall up around those types of, of experiences um, and what that would mean about me. So when it happened with Pasha, I was finally in a relationship that felt safe and we were exploring sex with each other on a, on a level that I really never did before um, with a man and so when it came time for this like accidental threesome to happen, it unfolded beautifully. I mean, there, there was alcohol involved, which I think like gave me some liquid courage. Sure. Um, but we did all these things that I had been fantasizing about my whole life. And I enjoyed being a part of it. I enjoyed kind of sitting back and watching. And the next day, there was definitely like some anxiety when I woke up. You know, she left um, sort of like I think very early in the morning. There was like some napping, but when I woke up she wasn't there and I had all of these fears around like what does this mean and what, like what is he feeling, what is he thinking, and what if people find out were some of my very first thoughts. It was all around like what people's perceptions of me would be. Yeah. like as if you can control that at all and as if that matters. Um, and I remember Pasha said to me, well, can we talk about this a little bit? Like I have some questions. And he was like, did you enjoy last night? Like, let's start there. Sure. And I remember giggling and being like, yeah, it was amazing. And he's like, is this something that you would do again? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And he's like, you know, sober. And I was like, Yeah. He's like, okay, so what did you like about it? And he really got me back into my like body and somatically my experience of like this amazing, pleasurable, beautiful thing. Um, And of course we talked about like our relationship and how he felt and from there on it was such a reminder because I had started to do some work on myself like in an emotional intelligence course that chemical responses in the body Are something that we can name, and we have the power to put words to our experience. And excitement and anxiety, a lot of times, feel the exact same way in the body. Mm -hmm. And we really have the power to say, okay, sweaty palms, heart racing, you know, skin tingling could be fear or it could be excitement. And once I kind of got back in the driver's seat of my experience and stopped concerning myself with, what anyone else thought. I was like, Of course, I want to do this again. And after that, we just sort of had like a few more happy accidents. And then we started to be intentional about meeting new people who were also into these types of experiences. And our relationship unfolded from there with more monogamous things happening with the two of us and like a third person, or sometimes, you know, another couple. And then after a few years opening up to being with people separately, and you know, and then the rest is kind of history. So that was the dawn of it all. That's so fun, too, the way that it just kind of naturally
0: happened. And it wasn't like a big, hey, I want this. Is this something you're okay with? I mean, it's, and it happens that way for lots of people, but what a fun origin story to be able to kind of stumble into it together that way and, yeah. and learn that about yourselves. And so, when you did start to to be more intentional about it, um, a lot of people ask me, you know, how do you how do you set your rules? How do you set your boundaries and your parameters? Was that a conversation for you guys when you were being more intentional about it, that whole idea of of rules and boundaries and that sort of thing?
1: Oh, totally. And we had many. um and we didn't even know where to start with, like, how to? because, yeah, there's no great model for this out there. there's there isn't a rule book., um, and so we were sort of like, okay, we we want to you know, only do things together. We want to, you know, maybe go on an app and check out these profiles together. Um, but we didn't have a lot of rules for like what would happen when we were all together. I was very comfortable with him. You know, having sex with other women, and he was very comfortable with me having sex with other women or other men. Um, and so it wasn't like, okay, we can, you know, play with this other person, but like you can't, you know, penetrate her. there w- there wasn't any of that. We' luckily for us, we were both very turned on by the other one having, you know, these experiences. Mm-hmm. and it's kind of part of our I don't know if it was like a deep level of compersion. And also right. some kink because we both very much enjoy the idea of, you know, the other person with someone someone else. And we had, I think, we had the rule of like not hooking up with anyone that we knew for a long time because we were very private. Mm. And we were private because I wanted to be private. Mm. Pasha didn't necessarily care who knew. You know, maybe he didn't want to tell the whole world. But yeah. Here we are. Here you are telling uh, the whole world yeah and we also had an agreement that we wouldn't play with anyone else once we started to open up and see people separately unless we were a hundred percent. and And over time, it had us actually it was a cause for us to explore like what is a hundred percent and for us to realize that you're never actually a hundred percent. Um but we always wanted to be on the same page and feel really connected so that our experiences were born out of adding to our connection. And they weren't ever an escape from something that felt off in our relationship or, um, you know, being – maybe not being 100% truthful about certain needs that we were trying to get met Mm -hmm. somewhere else. Because we've actually – we've always been very conscious of not wanting each other to be the end-all be-all for us and like meeting all of our needs. And so that's an interesting balance because Pasha in, in many ways does meet all of my needs as my, you know, partner and my husband. But there are a lot of things that I enjoy that I desire that he's never going to meet and I don't want him to, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's not, you know, an artist or a creative and he's not going to want to talk about, you know, poetry with me the way, you know, another another man might or a woman. Mm-hmm. And, and he has things that he you know, desires that I don't want to exhaust myself trying to fit myself into because what I provide is amazing and and that's who I am. So it took us a little while to realize, okay, it is, it is healthy to actually seek out other types of people for novelty um, as long as we are in a place where we feel connected and solid before mm-hmm. we sort of venture out on our own. And that's that's a boundary or an agreement that we've carried with us through time as we've sort of stripped all the other ones away. And um, this is a conversation that like, you know, I I am so curious about when because you're going to come on my show, too. And I want to know, you know, how what's your dynamic and the way that you set things up when you go on dates, because. For a long time we were like, okay, must check in every hour. Like I have to hear from you. Right. And you know, of course, nowadays, I mean, we might I might text him at five o'clock, like, I'm going on a date tonight if he's out of town. And he might not hear from me until the next morning. And that's totally normal and okay. Um, especially if it's a predetermined person and we know that that we're being safe, you know, because our safety is always of course, a cause for conversation too, especially as women. Right. So yeah, I mean, I feel like that was a long-winded answer, but the boundaries have definitely shifted over time and we have less and less um, to to worry about with one another. But in the beginning, there were a lot more rules and um, I didn't even want to fully open up because I was like, that's crazy. We could do these things together. But, you know, I, I was the one who sort of, bought this along the way. Um, and now I'm the one with the podcast. So,
0: I was going to say, I mean, and I've heard you say too, like, you would never want to go back to something different not that not that being monogamous is not a good thing i mean it's probably a wonderful thing for many many people but it's just not for you anymore the way you would want to have your relationship constructed mm-hmm. so what what was that journey like for you i mean obviously kind of shedding some of those inhibitions or things that you felt like you needed to keep in place to stay safe or to stay private somehow along the way, you're blossoming and opening up into talking about this so publicly. How did how did that happen for you?
1: Yeah. So that just made me think of a great moment in my life. I was actually coaching. Um, I was coaching through a program doing mentorship coaching. And it's a program that I did eight years ago now. And it's all about Personal development and emotional intelligence. And I would go back and coach every now and then. And there was this one team I remember that they're called teams that go through, where there's just a ton of people sharing shame, sharing these feelings of guilt, these feelings of that there was something wrong with them because they either had trouble um remaining monogamous or, you know, and I'm not like I'm saying that cheating is okay, but they were having trouble remaining monogamous or they would find themselves in relationships with men or women that they loved, but they would still fantasize about other people. (laughs) Or I remember this one young girl was just so broken up and devastated because she thought that she had like an addiction to porn and she was sharing that she, you know, was very in love with her boyfriend. She was like 24 maybe. And, but But once, one or two times a month, she went off and she looked at porn all night to like masturbate. And, you know, everyone is so different, right? Everyone's experiences are so different. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow, what kind of world do we live in that these people have so much self-hatred and loathing for something that I consider human and something that I consider so normal? And at that time, I hadn't really told anyone about our relationship except for, I gave a talk at Burning Man. I, I go to Burning Man every year, I love and it. I still um, haven't it, and I want to. Oh my gosh, you would love it. You should totally go. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. But I, I had been, I think, like you know, seven times, and the second to last year, maybe it was the last year, the 2019 before the pandemic, I gave a talk to my camp and anyone else. It was like an open invite, you know, there and about you know. 40, 50 people showed up. And the talk was Pasha and I talking about our open relationship. And at that point, many people in our camp knew um, because we're very open there and expressive. And it's like my – they're like my soul family that I love. And it was so well received. And there was so much encouragement, especially from my monogamous friends. I mean, people who I – just like look up to their relationship. We have friends in our camp that we're so close with that have been married for like 20 years, 25 years. And we look up to them. They have the most beautiful love and most beautiful family and children. And they were like, wow, you taught us so much. Like we're we're never going to open up. However, just the idea that we we should and could, maybe not should, but Share with each other when we find someone else attractive, and that that's normal. And it's a biological, physiological response to be turned on by things in life. And it's not like a switch that you flip when you get married and it goes away. And I had shared in that talk that the simple denial of oneself over time really does chip away at your own integrity and your own self love and makes you feel very fragmented and not whole. And so it was a combination of those two experiences for me that I was like, what am I doing? Here I am. I feel like in some ways I've figured out this very interesting golden key and I'm keeping it to myself. And this is so unfair. And I was already a coach. You know, I was coaching people on everything from life coaching to business coaching and spirituality. And and the one thing that I feel like could help people the most, I wasn't sharing. And so there was this shift that it was like, this is not about you. This is so much bigger than you, Jessica. Like I felt this sense of responsibility and I knew I could help a lot of people if I just shared my story and showed a different, healthy perspective on relationships. And, you know, non-monogamy is not for everyone, right? But certainly the idea that you could design and create your relationship from scratch is one that I constantly encourage. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, we're here to play and explore. That's why we have bodies. <laughs> right.
0: No, I love that and that concept of designing designing your relationship. You know, when I was kind of reading your bio and talking about how you work with people and want to help them create these designer relationships, thinking about it from that perspective, I mean, it really is that. like wow, we we get to choose. We get to pick and choose our adventure every single day if we if we so choose. You know, we don't have to. We can take a prescribed path. But when that path doesn't serve you any longer or it feels like there's something more for you, how do we give ourselves permission to step off of that path and take assessment of what all the different routes are and kind of choose our own adventure?
1: Yeah, and you know, you're just making me think of something. I just want to share quickly. I, I was just recording my first solo episode, and it's all about the danger of the one and making one person your everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it, I talk about this concept, sort of for the first time, really designer relationships. And it's like almost we it's we owe it to ourselves, but it's almost like we owe it to everyone who came before us, who was either in an arranged marriage or had no choice on who they were dating or you know women <laughs> had very little choices but we don't realize it because we're we're born in the time that we're born if you're not a history buff you might not realize that you know all of the generations that came before you did not select their husband they didn't date they didn't have the opportunity to date five or six guys before they they figured out oh this is my soulmate person this is who I'm in love with right it was like right. Some guy came and he asked your dad, and because he came from a good family and had money, you had to say yes. Like you actually right. didn't have to say yes. You you didn't have a choice. Your you your father said choice. yes for you. That's exactly and so right. It's it's interesting to think that we've stayed in this this sort of very social and very religious probably concept as well or construct as what a nuclear family and a marriage is when we have the ability and the opportunity for so much more. And just the idea of showing people a healthy model of that was like, okay, this is what I'm meant to to do next.
0: That's so beautiful. Well, and you have, you know, you have designed your relationship to be what it is today. Um, I know that very recently you were really brave. You opened up on your own show about another. I don't want to put labels on it, but on another container that you're a part of that is separate from you and Pasha's container, but it started out as a a triad that you guys were in together. So maybe talk a little bit about where you are in in the design of your life and the design of the containers that you have going on in your relationship world.
1: Mm -hmm. My other love. Um, Yeah. So Lauren is... Just an exquisitely beautiful woman and my, my other partner. Um, and she came into our lives in a very interesting way too about three years ago. Uh, not to tie it back, but that same place where I would mentor coach mm-hmm. <laughs> in, a different, in a different coaching container. Um, and that's how we met. She ended up becoming very good friends with um, our best friend who lives less than a mile from our home. And, you know, so of course she was – started being at our house all the time. And once sort of that coaching course was over, we became really good friends. And she – I could tell she and Pasha had a lot of chemistry. Um, And I was attracted to her as well. But there – I didn't necessarily feel that from her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I very much was interested in him having his own thing for a long time because I had had my own, you know, relationship that had developed with another guy over time. And and that happened multiple occasions. Um, But Pasha never had really cared for another woman deeply um, and let someone care for him in a way that I was just like excited to see. Mm -hmm. So they had, um, you know, flirted a little bit and she and I had a photo shoot planned and we went out one day. She's an amazing photographer and she gets me naked within like 10 minutes of being on this photo shoot. She's like, you know what would make this photo better if you were naked? And I was like, mm. okay, cool. Like I'm, you know, very, you know, free and I'm like love taking my clothes off anyway. So um we do that. And that night we like have dinner. We we went out to dinner with some friends and we ended up back at our place, just the three of us. And we had an incredible, like threesome, which I was like, I can go upstairs in the spare bedroom and kind of excuse myself. And she was like, where are you going? Like, (laughs) and it ended up being like a very beautiful, you know, little affair for about six or nine months with the three of us um, where Posh and I had no interest in seeing anyone else outside of this little love bubble that we were in Mm -hmm. with Lauren. And over time, the two of them sort of fluidly started to move between this like romantic and then less romantic. And she and I started developing more of a connection. Maybe not even more romantic, but just a deeper connection. There was sisterhood there. There yeah. was there was nurturing love there. Um, and then we when, then we started hosting retreats for women together that had nothing to do with the fact that we were lovers, but we both wanted to focus on healing and. Um, connecting to, you know, your sacred feminine energy. And so we started to lead retreats in Joshua Tree together. So we became business partners. And as she and my husband developed a deeper friendship and almost more, there's a lot of mentorship there. They have a brother, sister and en- energy, brother, sister energy. So they're born on the same day, um, mm. just seven years apart. And so as they sort of transitioned fluidly, she and I were like, well, we're not going to stop this this thing that we have going on. And now the three of us, it's very much like a family vibe almost. We we took off the labels. She and I had an interesting like moment of heartbreak between the two of us when she started dating another guy. Um, I got very protective because I thought that she was gonna get hurt in that in that situation and So that had me assess like, oh my gosh, now her and I need relationship agreements. and We had never talked about that before. It was sort of a a blind spot that we had. Um, So a ton of learning and we took off the label because, you know, there are times when we can be very sexual and then there are other times where we go months. Like if we're working a lot and we host ceremonies, um, healing ceremonies for women as well, it's like that really goes in the back burner. Um, and Pasha is so supportive. And when the three of us are together and we're doing something fun, like if we're all on vacation together, of course, there's a lot of romance and intimacy. And then we go back to this very fluid, very comfortable, almost like family little bubble that we have. And it's so <laughs> pure and loving and expansive. And um, it's been very easy. Especially once we took the label off, things have just been effortless. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I love that so much, and I can just hear in your voice too, like just the the deep level of peace that you have about whatever whatever it looks like. And I think, from my experience in in the kink and fetish community, and then also we, you know, we have this kind of more spiritual side of of the sexuality that we're talking about labels feel so important on one side of that because it's like we we have to know what we are then that's how we orient ourselves Mm -hmm. and when you strip all of that away and just allow whatever is there to just be and not have to attach a label to it it just feels so much more meaningful and just allowing it to kind of morph and shape and take whatever life form it's meant to it just that it enriches it so much more.
1: Yeah. And and I love that you put some words to that because it is important to have them in other spaces. And it's mm-hmm. great to step back and see like okay, they're really useful, but also can they be limiting and where are they limiting me? Right. Um yeah. Hmm. I wouldn't change it.
0: <laughs> I I don't know why you would, right? It sounds like it's really serving all of you beautifully. So I think one of the other things that I wanted to touch on before we before we need to end our time together is this concept of you know when we talked you know before today you had mentioned to me that you were doing some exploration around I don't know if you had said shadow or shame around your enjoyment of and desire for women and Obviously, you mentioned having had that kind of attraction at a young age and now experiencing a, a woman in partnership and how different that probably is from even just the young, you know, ideas that you had about what it would be like to be with a woman. But I, I'd be a little curious what what your journey around, I don't know exactly what I want to say, but it feels to me like there's a connection between allowing yourself to love women and allowing you to love yourself and mm. the nexus point there that how much closer and more accepting and loving you are of yourself now that you're able to express yourself fully in whatever sexual container and relationship you're in. Mm. Has has that been part of the journey here for you, Jess?
1: You know, I think it has. Hearing your question and the way it was phrased really had me like take take some personal account for a moment. And and probably because I shared what I shared about my childhood too, which I never really connected them before in this denial of self and feeling wrong, feeling, you know, bad or evil for having those experiences with, with other girls. Um, And then to come into it, you know, I think I have this idea too, where I was having this conversation. Okay, I'm like collecting my thoughts because I was having a conversation the other day about the only place that we really see a lot of women, you know, being sexual or romantic even with other women was porn, at least growing up, right? Mm -hmm. And it's being bisexual was always painted as very salacious and very like sexy right and if you think about like the Madonna whore complex now we're we're lucky we're seeing you know same sex and LGBTQ positive you know media and entertainment and shows and movies and so we're becoming more represented but I think the lack of representation in a healthy way that was not over sexualized was just it was it was non-existent that type of representation. So for me, I think I felt like if I expressed this desire for other women, then I would be like over-sexualized or slutty or a whore, you know, and now I've grown to want to embrace those words and take them back and take ownership of them. Um, but, you know, being a teenager, 20-something, you know, you're very fragile. And so I think that in this relationship with Lauren, I've really done a lot of self-healing and realized that a relationship with a woman could be you know, nurturing, as I said, or, you know, sisterly, like there's such a a sisterhood dynamic between the two of us. And it's like, yes, we're lovers, but we also have each other's back fiercely about anything. And that's very different than any lesbian pornography that I saw when I was growing up, which was the only depiction that I had of loving another woman. Um, And so, yeah, I think that that was likely the disconnect. And that was sort of the the shame around it and to be on the other side of it, realizing that there's so much available, even in my closest relationships with my girlfriends, I've had deeper, more connected, intimate, vulnerable relationships that are not not sexual at all with my girlfriends because of my ability now to realize that it's like okay to want to be with other women in a sexual way. Whereas I think before because I was resisting that part of myself, I almost wouldn't go go deep with my friends. And yeah. so now it's like the this like interesting veil has been lifted on all of it and now I feel just so free to express myself in whatever way it looks. And um, yeah, stepping more into this new era of like of consent being a focus and it's even been fun to let other people know that like go out on a limb and tell people that i'm attracted to them and be okay with them being like cool thank you i'm not interested in you but i would have never done that before yeah but now in these circles where everyone feels so solid in in their choices and who they are it's been it's been so healing
0: mm. that's so beautiful i love that all of it thank you Well, I feel like we could keep talking forever, but given that we want to keep this a respectable length,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I guess we can go ahead and close it out. But I know that this is one of this is one of multiple conversations that hopefully we'll be able to have together. And obviously we're going to step in and, and do some recording for your space as well. But I just thank you so much for the time today, for sharing with my listeners, for opening yourself up the way that you have, for being vulnerable and honest and just really in your own experience and integrity with all of this. So thank you so much, Jess. Thanks for
1: being mm, here. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. It's been amazing.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. And we'll talk to you all again very soon.